Whether it's hiring me to speak at your next sales kickoff or delivering one of my high-impact story-selling workshops for your sales team virtually or in person, then don't worry, I've got your back, okay? Head on down to www.theraviregiani.com forward slash contact to book a complimentary discovery call to learn more about how I can help you and your sales team sell more with story. Welcome to the Influential Communicator Podcast, where my mission is to help B2B salespeople sell more by becoming authentic storytellers and impactful communicators without suppressing who they truly are or their values. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani, and without further wait, let's get into it. Yes, what's happening, ladies and gents? Welcome to another episode of the Influential Communicator Podcast. Now, in this week's episode, I want to introduce you to a brand new segment of the show called Client Spotlight. All right, it's not that innovative. I know, I know, but it's pretty damn self-explanatory, right? It's pretty damn self-explanatory. So today I want to introduce you to a friend and client of mine, Ange McManaman, who's the VP of Sales over at Crunchbase. And you know what? She's just an awesome human being, a great leader. And I spoke at her SKO and all things storytelling earlier this year. And I wanted to specifically bring her on the show to talk about some of those learnings, how she embedded storytelling into her organization, but also how to organize an amazing SKO experience for your reps. And welcome to the show, my friend. What's good? Ravi, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Good, my friend. I'm good. I'm good. When we connect, we've connected a few times, right? In person, probably since, when was it? When did you first come down to London? Probably March, I think. Yeah. So a few months ago. Yeah. Just before your sales kickoff, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, exactly. We connected there. And I don't know about you people, but for those of you listening to this, sometimes you just hang out with clients and you're like, yes. Like you are my people. Like I could hang out with you outside of the sales floor. And I'm just one of those people. So, and your story is fascinating from everything that you've done in real estate, from your story, origin story about where you grew up, where you are now in the US and what you're doing with Crunchbase. But tell me this, when it comes to your origin story, what is the one moment in your life that you now look back on and you're like, ah, oh, I'm so glad that happened to me because it's now serving me as the VP of sales over at Crunchbase? Great question. I think it was, you know, one of my first sales roles at a company called City Search. And I was there for a really long time, probably too long, in fact. It's probably one of my career mistakes on the on the opposite end. But during an account executive's journey, there are times that you have a choice. Like there's a division in the road and it's like, do you want to be a leader or do you want to continue to be an individual contributor? Look, being an individual contributor has a lot of pros. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of money to be made and success to be had. But at that point, I was I was ready for a new challenge. It's not that I didn't want to continue to be an IC. I just wanted to try leadership. And I was able to get an opportunity at a company that I was obviously really comfortable at. I was selling very well. I had kind of a good track record. So I was able to give a chance, that get a chance. And that to me was a game changer. So all the joy that I had of like hitting my number, crushing my goals, 
again, being successful, making a ton of money now (laughs) is all about like my team doing well, my team growing, right? My team crushing that like number and, and, and beyond. And it gave me almost more joy than when I was an individual contributor. So at that point, although like definitely scary, and I say this all the time to, you know, first time managers, there's no like manual or book or yeah, there's training to be had, but you kind of always like jump into it and try and figure it out. <laughs> so it was scary times. But at that point, I was I was hooked. The amount of joy and like fulfillment that brought me versus just selling on my own was massive. Well, I'll tell you what, Ange, something that I want to acknowledge you for, my friend, is when I flew out to Vegas to speak at your sales kickoff, it was one of the first times that your team and had, I suppose, had all met each other because we'd been living in this remote first world. And the energy, the level of personality and want to be individual and own who you are stems from you because you show up so unapologetically self-expressed. Like, listen to this, people. You know, Anne kicked off the SKO and in the first minute she dropped an F-bomb. And I was like, okay, okay, so this is this is what we're going for. Okay. And it was funny. Her team, they come from so many different backgrounds and jobs. And it's because of you and the way that you lead. And that is so rare in today's world. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, like, why not? Yeah, sorry, I do curse a lot, but it's who I am. And, and it's right. And so being yourself, especially in sales, is so important. And I've tried to always do that. And, and I try to build a team that they have that ability. And they're like, you know, it's a comfortable environment to do that. Mm, no doubt. And I suppose individuality as a leader seeps through the entire organization. And as an IC, it's a it's a different role, right? As you described. And when you were an IC, an AE, coming up the ranks, did you ever get any storytelling training? Or did you learn it on the job? Did you even think it was important back then? <laughs> the only storytelling training that I had was like listening. My grandparents were really good storytellers. And so like I was always, I would always be like in awe listening to them because they captured me. They had my attention and it was just so enthralling. So no, I never had official <laughs> storytelling training and I never admittedly never been really good telling stories. And it's something I've always wanted to get better. And they say like a great storyteller is a great salesperson, right? They go hand in hand. And so for me, I was definitely lacking that skill. And I think there are a ton of ways to sell and to really gain trust from people and to get them bought into your your product or yourself. But I think if you can tell a relatable story in a really dynamic and impressive way, like that to me, again, doesn't matter about your features. It doesn't matter about the ROI, right? It like it puts that person who's listening to you be like, great, I need that. I there is a huge, massive need for whatever they're selling. So yeah, I think um, storytelling is just it's so important in sales. It's funny. I remember when we first first connected on the phone. I think it must have been November two thousand and twenty one, December time, and you were organizing your SKO, right? And I remember you saying, yeah. "Listen, Rav." I need to get my team to ditch selling with features and start selling with story because we want to do cool things like increase our ACV, shorten the sales cycle and just build trust better, which is very interesting because I think when it comes to the topic of feature selling, a lot of leaders say, yes, team, ditch feature selling, but they don't 
have the alternative. And you were very focused when we first met on saying, you know what, I know the alternative and it's storytelling and I want to partner with you on that. So tell me this, my friend, rather riddle me this. When it comes to the reason why we originally partnered together, what was the circumstances of your team back then in terms of their skill set and the challenge that they were struggling with? Yeah. So new product, you know, we are not necessarily known for our sales prospecting tool at Crunchbase. And so newer product who it's a crowded marketplace. I mean, there, there are a ton of sales prospecting tools out there. And so in order to like compete or in order to, you know, kind of stand on our own, I don't feel like going head to head against competition makes sense, right? There's always going to be some feature that we have that somebody else doesn't have that somebody else has that we don't have. I don't think that's the way to win (laughs) a ton of business. How I do feel is making sure that we can solve a problem, right? Is making sure that we can help their sales team discover, qualify, right? Prospect more and in fact, make more money. And so at that point, we were doing a lot of, hey, look at us. Hey, look at this feature. Hey, look at this feature. This feature does this. This is We're really good at this. Oh, by the way, and this, right? But a typical prospect actually doesn't probably need to see all of your features at one time, right? We need to just figure out their need and how we can solve for that. And that's, that's storytelling. Sure, you can show a demo. You can show how it's done through your story and and obviously like through conversation, but we were just doing a lot of like pointing to the product and it wasn't, I don't think it was engaging enough. I don't think we were building enough trust and then ultimately communicating how we can solve their pain. Mm, Yeah. I love that. And I think that's what story is so great for, you know, it helps you sell without selling and also without feeling icky. You know what I'm saying? Without feeling icky. Now you organized an SKO in Vegas and you know what? Hats off to you. Cause I was like, that's bold, right? That is so bold. Flying over from New York. You had me fly over from London to host a workshop for the day and all this good stuff. Now SKO season is coming up and a lot of people struggle with organizing, engaging team bonding and high impact SKOs. Knowing what you know now about the one that you organized in Vegas, what are three tips that you would give a VP of sales listening to this right now when it comes to organizing a high impact SKO? Yeah. One is like, don't let it all be about the sale, the pitch, the training, right? Like have something fun. And I don't mean like the after hours or happy hours or or dinners. What I mean is like, have fun, engaging activities, whether that is a training or not throughout the day. That's really important for me. And this is just kind of based off of my experience. And then the remote world we're living in, like you have to have some bonding, collaborating piece of activity as well, or session, given that we're all sitting behind Zooms way too much and we're not interacting, right? Even replicating a just a sales floor for a couple of hours. I actually did that recently, not at the SKO, but I did that recently because we don't have that anymore. Sure, we have online tools to help us do call blitzes, but like a real live call blitz where you're hearing people, where you're actually like getting hung up on, but then picking them back up the phone is pretty impressive. So, and then lastly, I think, you know, make sure this is the hard part. I think just make sure it is organized with content that's, again, like planned out well given a lot of like space for people to 
really learn what you're doing. You know, when you and I spoke about your sessions, I always wa- I wanted to make sure we had some sort of like activity, right? Like after learning what you were telling us, after kind of giving us your storytelling process. And that to me is, is just important. That's how I learn, right? There's many different ways of learning, but I think you don't want to sit down in a conference room in Vegas for five hours. You want people getting up. You want people speaking. You want you know people often groups working together, presenting. That to me is effective. That's how people remember it. And memorability is important because the worst thing I think anyway is having some training and then two days later, the team going, yeah, that was great. Now what? Now what? Now what? So when it came to the content, was there any specific framework or storytelling methodology which stood out to your team the most that they're actually using today? Oh, that's a great question. Honestly, like it was all pretty effective. I think customer stories to me probably were the most, I guess, productive because that is what we can use every day, real life story and interchangeable. And I think it goes a long way, right? I, th- I think like even if you're speaking to, I mean, we have a really targeted ICP, but everybody's different. Every customer is different. But like, how do you get that baseline story to be repeatable, to be able to like, you know, be memorized, to be able to like tell more about it, to tell a story? So I think that the customer story piece was amazing for me. But my team has awesome feedback for you, Ravi. So and what they learned, but I think individually it was it was very different. They're all different, you know, kind of different stages and different parts. You know what? I want to go back to the customer success story in a second, but you know what was fun when we had the Oscar trophy at the end and we had three people come up on stage and share their personal story and the winner took away the trophy. Now I actually found that really transformational, especially for one of your reps who was brand new and not many people knew much about him, right? And then he shared this story about his back. And everyone was like, whoa, I didn't know that about you. I did this. I did that. Tell me a little bit about why you think owning your personal story as a rep is so important, even if you're brand new and secretly feel like you don't have one worth telling. Ah, Totally. I think that's bullshit. I think everybody's got one to tell. (laughs) I think they just have to be comfortable enough to tell it. There's a session we used to do a couple of years ago that I would, you know, kind of stand up and give my why why I'm in sales. Because like, it's a massive part of me. I've been in it for a really long time. I don't want to give the number of years, but like, it's, I love it. Right. And sales is a grind. It is not an easy job. It's stressful as hell. Right. And so I like to ask people like why you're in sales, because to me, you have to really want to be here to be in it. Because it's just too much if you don't, right? It's just like, eh, I'm going to kind of sell. No, there's quotas, there's KPIs, there's activity metrics. There's a lot that you have to kind of stay on top of. So I always kind of started a new onboarding class with sharing my why, which was also like my personal why. It's kind of transformed into both because I do, I've do. i been doing this for so long and it's such a big part of my life. But I also like to hear the why from, from you know individuals. And so similar to your you know the personal story, right? knowing that. And again, it's knowing the framework of how to tell a great story, but that's you. That's your stuff. That is just so, it's just so amazing to listen to when you have a good framework and you can, and again, getting to know people, going back to kind of sessions where it's it's nice to just not talk about, okay, the product you're selling and how do you sell it better? And how do you close more? Right? It's more about like this individual getting to know them and know the way they work know the way they're going to sell, how they're going to talk to clients. That's all something that I saw when they stood up and talked about their personal story. 
It was very cool, especially some of the ones who were quieter throughout the day and suddenly they got the mic in the hand. I was like, okay. Okay. okay we, yeah. got some, we got some storytellers up in here. Now, you mentioned about customer success stories earlier on. And I don't know what you think, Ange, but for me, if I see somebody like me who has had a problem like me, but has gone from pain to glory, I'm like, hold up, what have they done? And how can I replicate that? And especially in the recession, that's super, super important. So why does customer success stories for you stand out the most in the current climate of one of the stories that you should learn how to tell? Yeah, again, I think it's relatability. I think it's feeling someone else's pain, like similar to yourself, right? So again, we are not, we're not the Yankees, if you will, right? We're more of the New York Mets, right? We're still in first place, but we don't have a dynasty like the Yankees, right? And so for us, it's proven that we are doing really well, like it's a known fact, but some people may need to hear how or with whom, or, you know, what was the scenario. And so I think that those customer success stories go a long way in building trust, right? And like nobody buys from people they don't trust. (laughs) And so having that, you know, trusted story to tell and to, to really, as a discovery, as building rapport, as getting to know one another, that's massive. Yeah, I'm with you. And I probably did the worst interview technique there. I basically fed you an answer and then said, hey, what do you think? When it was basically what you were going to say. That's so bad, man. Anyway, I'm curious because you said you got this massive love for sales and you're like, you've basically grown up since you started your career in the sales profession. But if you weren't in the sales industry, if you couldn't go back, what would Ange be doing tomorrow? If the sales profession, for whatever reason, is never going to happen, but it shut down, it was like, Ange, we're gone. What would you do? Yeah, for fun, I would be like a world famous DJ. I love music. <laughs> I can actually imagine <laughs> that. Yeah, I can imagine that. I can imagine that. Playing at festivals and Vegas and yeah, all over. That would be really fun. I mean, it would probably be exhausting, but that would be fun. Uh, that's not my daughter, Rev. That's my wife. He said, as I asked him a question about a picture I could see in his background during a Zoom call, and I remember thinking, man, I'm speaking to the COO of Insightly here about supporting his team with their storytelling, and I've definitely blown the deal, period. But, strangely, he laughed. I definitely squirmed a bit. And before I knew it, I was actually delivering a virtual workshop to his revenue team a few weeks later. Now, here's the thing, people. If you know me, you'll know that I love partnering with people and companies who really believe in the power of relationships. And that's exactly why I've teamed up with Insightly, who are the sponsors of today's episode. Now, every single sales team that I train knows this. If you want to build a real connection I'm talking about a real, authentic connection with your customers and create a unique buying experience, then you need a CRM which aligns your entire revenue org around one common purpose. And hey, if you feel the same, if you feel me, then maybe Insightly is a CRM solution for you. So if you're not in your head right now, then head over to www.insightly.com forward slash influential to get your free 14-day trial today. All right, let's get back to the show. Honestly, some of your team members who are DJs, they look so fresh. And I'm like, I said to, I think it was Anthony, I was like, dude, 
how do you do it and still look so beautiful and put together, man? <laughs> like what, what moisturizer are you using, man? But he, some of your team, you know, like one of them was a, a rapper who's met Drake before. You've got DJs, you've got ex-bankers. Like you've really got some cool personalities in your team. But I can imagine you spinning a few vinyls, if that's the right phrase. Is that a side gig for you or not? I did it, I did it years ago and I never kind of kept up with it. But it's something that I could, I feel like I would go back to, you know. So it's a good passion. Yeah. I can imagine that. What's the music that you go to? So Sunday, Sunday evening, right? No one's at home. You're chilling. You whack. I don't. I was going to say a CD on, but it's not 1990. (laughs) So you whack on iTunes. What song is playing? Yeah, Yeah, that's it. What song's playing? You're an iTunes guy. Yeah. So I'm. I'm into like British house music. I like electric. Yeah, techno house. There's some great yeah. DJs from the UK. So I'd say more of that's my go-to, which is like mm. the housey. And then, but like work day, I always have like just chill beats, lo-fi beats playing in the background. I constantly have music playing. Like all the time, every time I've ever spoken to you on a Zoom, there's music in the background. Is that music now? No, I'm no, no. I'm in a conference room. And I was giving you my oh. full attention, but... <laughs> So kind, so kind. But I remember I had that SKO. I was like, okay, let's play some Drake. And you were like, Rav, come on. Like, I'm a Drake fan, fan, brother. You were, you were, you were like, I'm a Drake fan, but you were like, let's play some techno. I was like, all right, let's get some house and techno music up in here. But okay, so that's cool. So when it comes to the customer success story and the personal story, you feel like those two were the standout for you from the SKO. Now, I think one of the interesting things that occurs is, after the SKO, there's this lack of memory that occurs. You just remember the specific moments and often the motivation that one experienced at the SKO can die down. What did you specifically do to ensure that the storytelling learnings were still embedded and that you continue to employ them in the sales process over a longer period of time? Yeah. I mean, my, my two sales managers were kind of repeatedly bringing them up in one-on-ones. We had another session with you, right? You know, I wish I pro- we didn't do it weekly. We probably should have just invested in doing an hour session weekly just because you're right. I mean, memory, just if you're not utilizing it, if you know, that muscle kind of goes away. But it's all about kind of putting people on the spot, talking through, listening to, we do a lot of listening at gong calls and then, and then sharing, hey, you could have used your personal story here. What about using your customer success story here? So a lot of follow-up. I actually think that's more work than the SKO, the day, the, you know, the, the building the agenda, the day, the sessions. It's the after because you want them to retain that, you want them to utilize it, and you want them to be successful with it. No doubt. And you mentioned something interesting there about analyzing gong calls. How fun was that 60-minute or 90-minute session that we did with Garode, one of your AEs, who was yeah. sharing snippets from his gong call? That was super dope. Do you And you do that every single week, right, on a Friday? Weekly, yep. Weekly calls, mm. dissections, yeah. I think it's the best learning for all reps, not just road in this in this case right he it's his call sure but everybody can either pick up a snippet or soundbite that they liked him saying and utilize that or we can find better ways for him and the team to sell right to tell a story to get trust build that trust and rapport so or whatever it is and i think it's it's just helpful for the whole team and it's just you know it has to be a safe environment everybody's got to be feel very comfortable with giving and receiving feedback 
because that's how it works the best. Yeah, 100%. And it creates this culture of coaching versus hiding, which is something that you've done really, really well. And when I flew down to New York in June to deliver a follow-up workshop, it was awesome to hear that the one thing actually that reps were consistently using was that value creation statement or elevator story where you introduce your value proposition in less than 30 seconds and you could really see that people were personalizing it and making it their own. And it was cool to hear that on calls as well. How has that evolved people's elevator story over time? It's so funny you mentioned that because just last week in one of our pipeline reviews, Jamie said, let's do our you know, value story. Let's do our elevator pitch next week. Let's put everybody kind of on the spot. And I think what we're going to do is actually have everybody record it because I think you might get better success and participation there and being their authentic self, like, you know, as a recording and then have a session to listen to it. So that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. That's very cool. That's very good. And I love the idea of recording it. And I don't think reps do that enough because- Video prospecting is huge and I think people shy away from it because sticking a camera up in your face, people think, oh, I'm not Kim Kardashian or Gary V. Why am I doing this? But there's a power to sharing a message over video and actually sending it to your prospects because not that many people do it, funny enough. Oh, and it's engaging as hell. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So tell me this, Ange, as you navigate the current economic climate with your team, what is one story that you're consistently drilling into their mindset every day about how to win during a downturn? So that's a good question. Feedback wise, I think it's consistency and activity payoff, right? So that's a general, I know that's very general sales leadership message, but I really do believe in that. I truly, truly believe in that. So that's kind of like high level. More specific, I think for our tool, we are we help teams prospect. You read anywhere now on in sales communities. We talk to CROs and VPs. Like inbound has dried up a bit <laughs> between from now, like say from the beginning of the year. So teams need to outbound more. They need to prospect more. And we are such a great cost-effective tool to do that. We really are. And so my message there is like we are actually a pretty economically safe tool. For sales teams. And I want to rem- like remind them that because myself, we're cutting budgets. We're not getting all the tools that we need. We're looking under the hood more, right? We are trying to get down you know, the cost of things. And in, so simply put, we're best for that. So that's kind of been my message to the team, you know, making sure that we you know, remind people that in these times, like we're, we do exactly what we need them to help with, like they need help with. We're exactly a great vehicle for that. That's really interesting you say that because I also know that one of the things that you come up against all the time is not just being a bolt on to a sales team as a prospecting tool, but often having to displace an existing provider, which is a completely different conversation. So when it comes to storytelling, what's your process for sharing a story that allows you to become magnetic when being compared to competitors without trashing competitors? Because I think that is something that everyone wants to know more about. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a fan of that, obviously, for many reasons. But I think we are a good plug and play on top of tools, right? And because of our data and because of our investor information and because of our insights and 
intel. So it's to me, you have to figure out obviously why you're talking to that prospect or more <laughs> better yet, why that prospect is talking to you. Do they want to rip and replace or do they actually want additional more tools for their team, more ways to get the right person, to get the account and to get the right person? So I'm always a fan of going, it's, we are a great add-on. We are a great add-on because like, I don't ever, like, I don't want to bash anybody. I think that like, we have an amazing tool. We have a great customer success team. And I believe that we have the best sales reps, right? And I don't want to be that. I want to have a team that is individual, can tell great stories and build great trust. And then buying and then the kind of the negotiation will all fall in place there. But for me, it's about relating to that prospect and saying, hey, like, this is what we do. What, you know, what does your team need? Because we're, we're not going to be a fit for every single person, but we will be a fit for majority of companies out there that honestly, like, want more help with getting the right qualified contacts. So it sounds, though, from what you're saying, it's more about effective discovery to figure out what they want versus what you think they need and really wrapping a story around that and not tearing down anybody else's building, right? Because I'm a big believer of you don't need to do that to be successful. And I think there was this old school approach where people had a scarcity mindset where there's only so much for everybody. But I believe in abundance, man. I believe in abundance and I feel like there's enough for everyone. Me too. Agreed. Yeah. Massively, massively. So tell me this, my friend, when it comes to sales metrics, right? So we spoke about the beginning of the call, ACV, the sales cycle, win rates, close rates, all that stuff. Which metric do you think the the embodiment of storytelling has had the biggest impact on? So I would say our average deal size. So our average deal size. And and I think with a little, you know, kind of <laughs> little scared economy even in that i think we've we've seen it go up you know 5 to 8000 on average per month and that to me is is massive because we're getting more buy in we're getting more commitment for number of seats because that's obviously how we we sell and just building trust right and so like we it doesn't matter how many seats they start with we can always expand we're happy to have them kind of try it out but i think more so if we tell a great story, we get the trust and we're able to like have a great way in which we will help resolve their pain that they're feeling today. That to me is like they're bought in. They're ready to kind of be part a partner with us. Nice. I like it. I like it. I think that's uh, probably music to many people's ears who want to increase average contract value or average order value in today's climate. So that's food for thought, everybody. That's food for thought. Now, tell me this. Okay. Where are you organizing your next SKO? Right? You've, done Ve- you've done Vegas. What's, what's next? And when is it? When is it? Is it next year in February as well or March? Yes, yeah, so we did it a little late this year, given just we were trying, I was trying to do it in person and COVID right. kind, of, kind of having ups and downs. I'm not sure. There is a possibility we go back to Vegas. Oh, okay. Nice possibility but there's also some you know other great options but i don't know yet i have to i haven't started planning yet but that is on my to-do list so it'll it'll be it'll be two to three days filled with again great sessions great like people meeting you know i think that's really big for the team and then kind of getting to know one another and then of course collaboration and just building trust just like we have to do with our prospects 
Mm, no doubt. And there's no better way than in person, right? Virtual is fun, but I'm a sucker for the in-person energy, man. I Me love too. it. I love it. I'm actually potentially in New York in January. So when I'm around, I'll hit you up and we'll go grab a coffee. But um, thanks for coming, my friend. Let me ask you this, okay, before you leave, is if there's one piece of advice that you could give to Ange before she became a sales leader, right? And one piece of advice, one piece of advice only about how to be a more impactful leader in today's world. What's one thing you would tell that that woman back then? Mm, just always listen to your reps, right? Always listen to your your team. Always listen for feedback, and just yeah, just be a great listener. I think I've become one, but I think at first I probably wasn't being distracted or having a ton of things on my plate, I think it's so wildly important. I want to make people feel like they're heard, but also, you know, that I'm, I'm there for them. I like that. I think listening is one of the coolest things in the world. How fun is it when you talk to a friend and they make you feel seen, heard and understood? Because they're like, oh yeah, remember last time we spoke, you mentioned that. Yeah. How's that going? You're like, oh my God, you actually listened, right? How good is that? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I know, you know, salespeople were notorious for like just wanting to talk. And just wanting to get the next kind of, you know, sentence in. And I think, again, just like storytelling, I think some of the best sales reps I've met actually are even better listeners than like selling techniques, right? Because they just really want to know. They're so intrigued with the client or the prospect. They really want to know, you know, the pain, the needs. And like you just said, when somebody does that, like remember something I said to them, I'm like, oh instant trust it's instant trust i'm like wow i feel so good isn't it funny how back in the day you know around 2009 2010 i was at university and i was selling tickets for this event that i was holding up for charity with a few buddies of mine and i was outside the library and i was like hey yo listen we got this event blah 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 and this dude one of my friends came up to me and he was like you know what you can talk you should be in sales but nobody <laughs> ever says Oh my gosh, you're such a great listener. Yeah, you, you should, should be, be in sales. <laughs> it's like such, it's like it should be, but people say things like you're a great talker. And that is, I think that is so bad. That's like the worst thing you can tell somebody, I think. <laughs> oh. It's like telling them, oh yeah, sales is just about talking. But what, you know, I'm breaking my message I said earlier about my last question, but I don't care. What is one thing you're excited about now as you finish up the year with Crunchbase? Like, what's one thing you're working on with the team that you're like, oh, this is dope. I can't wait for this to come to market. Yeah, I don't know if everybody's going to be excited as I am, but we just we started doing pairings, SDR AE pairings, and it, I mean it's not the easiest thing to put together. There's obviously personalities you have to be aware of, and you know just performance stuff. But it's been really fun. I think the team has been you know overall really good feedback. And so next step would be pods with CS. So just building these like mini teams that just crush collaboration, right? They just work all day on strategy and prospects and growing customers. And that to me is like the next level. So a lot we have to do a lot of planning there. And we got to figure out, you know, obviously for commission plans and bonus structures, how we do that. But that's kind of the next level. That is cool. And one thing I'd say about that is storytelling during a handoff is notoriously very difficult when you move from an SDR to an AE to onboarding to CS. So pods is such a great way to create a more cohesive story that you collectively go to market with. So I love that. 
yeah, awesome. I love it. I love it. All right, my friend, listen, where can people learn more about what you're up to and what Crunchbase are doing in the market? Yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Email me, angem at crunchbase.com. Always around, always available to talk sales, talk shop. But thanks so much for having me, Robbie. This is really fun and I appreciate you. All good, my friend. All right, ladies and gents, I'll see you next week for another episode of The Influential Communicator. Peace. Oh, okay, okay, hold on. So you thought that this was the part of the show where I say something like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy the show, then please drop us a review and do share it with a friend. Well, I'll tell you what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be predictable here, okay? Do share it with a friend and do drop us a review if you got some value from today's episode, okay? So if you want to impact people, remember, you need to learn how to influence them first. 